Hi everyone, welcome to Career Focus. As many of you know, it's awfully hard to find a job, especially when the market is super competitive. Today we're gonna talk about what happens behind the curtain after you've hit submit, and we're gonna share tips and tricks to help align your recruiting efforts with what recruiters are looking for behind the curtain. I'm thrilled to welcome Kieran Carr. Kieran has served in lots of roles within recruiting, primarily in the technology industry for several different companies. She's got a passion for helping others as well, and she's got a blog called Coffee with a Professional. Kieran, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Career Focus. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. You and I have gone back and forth since I was one of your guests on Coffee with a Professional. So super excited to return the favor and have you here. I would love to hear in your words a little bit about your background and just tell us a little bit about your story. Happy to walk through it as I feel like it is probably a bit unconventional. Essentially, starting from the beginning, I went to college originally for journalism. So I was a huge writer in high school. I was part of the high school newspaper. I was part of my community's newspaper as well. And so that was the path that I was going to take. But probably like a lot of people, things definitely changed in college. I ended up uh, joining a lot of different student organizations and actually having some different interests. In particular, I joined one organization that was an international nonprofit organization that was run like a business. And so it really sparked my interest in business. That's actually where I got my first exposure to recruiting because I was working on helping to recruit volunteers for that organization. So it really showed me the potential of business to make an impact on society in different ways through different product offerings and different services. So I decided to go down that route and ended up switching my major and studying business instead. So then once I finished my studies, I actually got an opportunity to work full time for this organization. And more, I think, exciting part of that is I got the chance to work abroad because the organization has different chapters in different countries. Over the course of two years, I ended up living in three different countries. I lived in Costa Rica, Austria and, and Spain. And so that was just a really life changing experience to get exposed to different types of people, different cultures within business and just become a more, I think, well-rounded person. So. I did that for about two years. Um, and then when I came back to the U.S., it was time to start the next chapter of my career. And I started developing an interest in the technology industry. And this is also right around the time when tech was really starting to, to build up. All of the big tech companies has been around for a while. A lot of like new tech companies that were coming onto the horizon who were working on really interesting products that had the potential to change the way that people did things in different industries. And so I found a tech startup that would take me without any formal tech experience. And I ended up starting my, my, my tech career there. And of course, not having an actual tech background, I was on the non-tech side of things. So I started off in a customer-facing role in a really fledgling customer operations department. And so really got a lot of firsthand exposure, really just to how a tech company grows and continues to find a product market fit and continues to find as many customers as possible. But things really came full circle within that tech startup. I got an opportunity to go back to my recruiting groups, essentially. I got an opportunity to move into a recruiting position and helping build up the sales team. So that was really great and redirected my career back, back to recruiting, but then this time recruiting specifically in a tech context. So I did that for a bit. I ended up joining another company and did recruiting for them for a bit as well. And then I came to my current company where I initially started off as a recruiter and actually did that for about a year and a half, but then an opportunity opened up to go into a recruiting operations position. Again, something that I didn't really have a lot of experience in, but had expressed 
interest in and was able to move into that role. And so now I have been in recruiting operations for a bit now, learning a completely new skill set. And again, just both changing and then amplifying the direction of my career. So you mentioned that you're now in a new function to you. You're in recruiting operations. For anyone out there, I would love for you to share a little bit of insight into what the difference is between recruiting and recruiting operations. Yeah, absolutely. As a recruiter, you are, the role is pretty straightforward. You, you help bring new talent to the company that you're recruiting for. And so you're working with candidates day in and day out. As importantly as that, you are also working and partnering with hiring managers in your company. You're getting a really deep understanding of what type of talent they need for their teams, what they're specifically looking for in candidates, and then being able to translate that into actually bringing that type of talent to that specific team. So that is the role of a recruiter. And talent operations or recruiting operations comes into the picture when you're in a bit of a larger recruiting function. The recruiting function that I support is a function of probably over 200 recruiters. And they're all working inside of the same systems. They've been working in the same processes for the last few years. And so our team was really brought in to help build and maintain the backend systems that they're using, but then also improving them and in different ways. So we work a lot on optimizing recruitment processes. We look at the day in, day out steps that recruiters take, what seems to be too manual, what seems to take too long, and how can we optimize that specifically with technology. So that's the other piece of recruiting operations is really working on these backend systems, bringing in new tools where necessary, building in new functionalities and new configurations for these tools, trying to automate where we can to make the day-to-day life for a recruiter go a lot smoother. Some of the other things that recruiting operations does is manage specific programs within recruitment. You have like general recruitment where it's bringing in folks who have a specific set of experiences into these types of roles that require those experiences. But then you also have programs like campus recruitment, bringing interns to the organization or bringing new grads to the organization and getting them onboarded and all of that. Campus recruitment also sits as a program within this. And then another program that we work pretty closely with is internal mobility. So being able to move people around in a company if someone's interested in a lateral move into a different function, a different department, being able to build the processes and the systems internally to make that happen and also make sure that those opportunities actually exist for people. So I would say those are the key things that recruitment operations works on. It can look different from company to company company because every company has different needs when it comes to where they're at and their maturity of their recruitment function. But I think those are the overarching things that probably most recruitment operations professionals do. That summarized really nicely. It's almost like the analogy that probably a lot of people have heard of a duck floating on the top of the surface of a pond. They seem really calm on the surface, but underneath their legs are kicking super fast. Mm-hmm. It's like the recruiting operations are the legs and the recruiters are floating along the surface. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned how you have experience on the general recruiting side, but also a little bit on the campus recruitment and early career side as well. Are there any bits of information that are good to call out to any young professionals that are listening that think, oh, I can reach out to any recruiter and they're going to help me find the job that I need versus finding the right recruiter for an early careers role? Yeah, So it's actually really funny that we talk about this because I just saw a a post on LinkedIn the other day that gave a bit of a tough love perspective. The sort of common notion is that recruiters exist to help people find jobs. But if you are talking to or working with internal recruiters, they actually exist to fill roles for companies. So 
that role and the role's requirements are going to be paramount to anything else. You could have the best relationship with the recruiter. You can know the recruiter personally. That recruiter would probably love to personally help you. But at the end of the day, if you don't have the right, or even like I would say close to the right experience, because it doesn't have to be 100%, but at least like 70 to 80% of what that role requires. But at the end of the day, recruiters are there to, to fill these roles for these companies. Um, coming back to the question of how can you, as an early career professional, set yourself up in the right way? A lot of it comes back to the resume itself and how you cater your resume to the role that you're you're applying for. This is something that I've seen also a lot in my time as a recruiter. The way people build their resume, it really is at the end of the day, it's a marketing document, it's a sales document. It's really there to position you as someone who can, again, be, let's say, like 70 to 80 percent of a fit for this role. And, and that doesn't always mean exactly what the role is. That also means translating what you've done previously to what this role requires. I have a really good example of this. It's something that I dealt with about a year and a half ago when I was a recruiter. It was funny because I was recruiting recruiters. So I was recruiting people who basically do my job. So I had a good understanding already because it's my job. In that role, I was looking specifically for recruiters who have worked in the te technology industry. Recruiters exist in all industries, but specifically my company was looking for recruiters who have worked in tech and so they know how to recruit tech roles. Software engineers, product managers, data professionals. It's very specific. When I came across a resume that that recruiter had not recruited in the tech industry before, I was more inclined to reject than pass through just because I knew that they wouldn't have um, been successful in our interviewing process. But I came across one resume where this person had been recruiting for a school. So it wasn't necessarily in the tech industry. So of course, first glance, it would have been rejected. But I read through the bullet points that she had listed down for this role. And I actually found that she had listed roles and responsibilities that are actually really important for a recruiter to have, no matter what industry they've recruited in. So the biggest thing was that she really quantified her accomplishments. So she talked about conversion rates, how successful she was in converting applicants into hires. The fact that she tracked all of that was really impressive for me. She also talked about diversity recruitment and diversity sourcing, which is important for the tech industry. So even though she didn't have that industry experience, she still spoke out as a recruiter who I felt could have the potential to do really well in tech recruiting. So I decided to give her a chance and I reached out to her. We had an initial phone screen. The conversation was really reflective of the way that she had put down her resume. She was really structured and organized in her thoughts and in her communication style. So I put her through the interview process and she ended up passing and she ended up getting, getting the role and has been doing an amazing job. So I really love that example because I am a recruiter who would ideally like to help everyone get jobs. The reality of the role is that you are really out there to look for either the right type of experience or the right type of transferable experience. Um, so where I see that, especially the transferable side, then I'm really inclined to give those folks a chance. It's one of those things where make it as easy as possible for me to do that. As an early career professional, first and foremost, analyzing your resume, quantifying your achievements. And then finding the roles and responsibilities for this role, finding out what the job actually entails. And if you've actually done it, 
or if you've done things that you feel are transferable, put it down and show it in a way that, that because I've done this, I can do this thing. And in, in 2023, it is even easier than ever with tools like ChatGPT to really help you materialize that information. You can just do a brain dump in ChatGPT and ask it to clean it up and structure it for you. You can do things like plug the job description into ChatGPT and ask it to compare against your resume. There's other tools out there that will help you do the same thing. So really take advantage of that. And then knowing this basic principle of as recruiters, we want to help you, but we need to fill roles. So we're going to try to make that happen whichever way possible. That's such a good summary. And I appreciate you shedding light into how the overall process works. If you're beginning to write a resume, those tools that you just mentioned are great examples on how to get started. But also when you apply to a job, yes, you're trying to get the attention of a recruiter, but the best way to do that is to make their job easy. You're going to focus your attention on the things that A, capture it, of course, but also things that make your life easy. If you can, in chronological order, list your experiences that align directly with the job description, that's the easiest way to do it. But then, like you said, even if you don't have direct experience in something that they're looking for, listing out the transferable skills that align with those responsibilities of the position is going to be imperative for you to capture their attention, especially for technical skills that you don't have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with all of that. And figuring out a way to make the recruiter's job easier, it's a mindset that translates into the workplace as well. Starting from before you even get the job, how can you make the lives of the stakeholders that you work with easier? How can you make your recruiter's life easier, the interviewers, so on and so forth? And then once you actually get in, continue having that mindset as well. That's a really great topic that I want to dive into a little bit. If someone's an applicant trying to learn more about the company in ways that they're not going to see online, they're not seeing it in Glassdoor and Indeed, what are some of the questions that folks should be asking in interviews or things that they should be paying attention to during correspondence via email or voicemail or whatever it is with a recruiter to try and get the best understanding of what that company's culture and ideas and values? Yeah, there are a couple of different things that I would poke into or ask more questions about. The first thing I really think people learn the most by hearing other people's personal experiences. If I got this question when I was a recruiter, I was always really happy to answer it and also really impressed about being asked that question. Just them asking about my personal experiences with that company, how I started, where I started, when I started, of course, and then what the progression has been since then, what are some of the ways that the company has changed throughout my time there, which is really important. It highlights the progression of the company overall, because that's really going to impact someone's experience there, especially with the startup that's really fast growing. And so you have a million things happening every like few months or so. You really get an understanding of what that would look like for you joining at that specific trajectory. For example, when I joined my current company, it's a UK-based company. The company had just started building out its U.S. operations. I was employee number 10 in the U.S. Now the company is very different, which with many more people in the U.S. Where it was then and where it is now, the company went through a lot. And so by learning about what that person's experience was through that trajectory, you really get an understanding of how is this company growing and how is it maturing. So that's the first thing that I would ask that person's specific experience. And you can ask that throughout all the steps of the interview process. You're first talking to a recruiter the next steps, you're likely talking to hiring managers, potentially your own manager, possibly your own peers as well, if they're involved in the interview process. 
So asking all of them that question can really help put together a comprehensive picture of what is the journey that these people have been through with this company and really gives that illumination that you won't find in an article or online somewhere. The second thing that I would really focus on, and this is something that's always been particularly interesting for me about companies, is just the product that they're building. Why did they start building this product? And even beyond that, why did this company start to begin with? What is the problem that it was trying to solve back then? How has it changed now? How has the product offering grown? What does this product do specifically? Who are the customers of this product? And especially if it's a big company, then it's multiple products. So you could focus maybe specifically on a product that you would interact with or just overall, whatever information you can get about why this company actually exists, what it's building, what problems is it solving for, for its customers, and how does that look like in the future? What have things looked like from a profit perspective? What does growth financially look like for this company? Again, something that whenever folks asked me that when I was interviewing them as a recruiter, I was really impressed because it showed that they were not interested just in getting into a job. It, it showed that they were interested in getting into a company. They were interested in getting into a whole sort of environment and they were really interested in understanding how they could be part of improving that environment. And that's especially important when things like internal mobility come into the picture. When you come into a company, you do a certain role for a while and then you decide that you want to make a switch. Really knowing about the company overall instead of just being siloed into your particular department or area will help enable those moves for you. So asking all those questions as early on as possible to get an understanding of what is the company that you're joining is super important. Such good insight there. And I think one of the key things that I noticed when I was a recruiter is that the more strategic questions you can ask, the more impressed folks typically are. Because if you can tie your ideas and your actions to the goals of a company or the values of a company that keeps people motivated, that will help them determine your alignment to not just the position, but like you said, to the company. As you as a researcher of a company or of a job, better understand the history of it, that helps you understand the values too. If the sales organization has grown 100% in the last three years, that means that maybe they're trying to expand to new markets. Maybe it means that they were especially profitable before, so they have more money to invest into some of those things. Or if they're owned by a private equity firm, that means that the company doesn't fully make the decisions on what they do. They might get sold where you can make more money. So the more you can understand it, the more you can try to predict what might happen and what opportunities there are for you as you join. One other question I had is as applicants to positions, once we submit our application, what are some of the things that are happening on the recruiting team that delay decisions that are made? And if you have any tips to how an applicant can help those decisions be made more quickly, I would love for you to shed light there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Every company is going to be a little different. So you might even find yourself, if you're in the interview process with five or six different companies, they could all look very different from each other. You have some that are going at the speed of light, and then you have some that are completely the opposite and you don't hear from them for ages. So in terms of what happens, when you first submit your application, a lot of bigger companies I've seen, the application gets submitted to an applicant tracking system. And some companies have automated like the initial review process of that application. This is something you might see a lot where it's you submit your resume into a black hole and no one ever sees it. Some of these companies do have some kind of automated system that scans resumes for relevant keywords for the system to decide, is this potentially someone who has the right experience for this role? And if they don't find those sort of key, let's say, keywords on that resume, then they will kind of just like auto reject it before it even gets to a recruiter. So 
in cases like that's why it's especially important to make sure that you are inserting keywords into your resume. And your best guide for that is going to be the job description and making sure that you're pulling out relevant keywords from the job description. Again, something that technology can help you with today and then making sure that's inserted into your resume. I always recruited for companies that were a bit smaller. So we actually manually assessed all resumes ourselves. I have gone through probably thousands of resume reviews at this point. In that case, the first step where a recruiter would go in and review your resume once they see that an application has been submitted. Oftentimes, though, even if a recruiter is manually reviewing it, that recruiter still may have hundreds of applications to review. So that's also important to take into consideration. And again, why keywords and really just like making your experience pop out as much as possible, really making it loud and clear and eliminating some of the fluff. That's super important, especially in cases where a recruiter is manually reviewing your resume because they're often going through it pretty quickly. So from there, as a recruiter, if I decide that your resume warrants a phone screen, then I would go ahead and reach out to the candidate to set up some time for an initial phone screen. That's where most interview processes are going to start. Some companies and some roles might have, let's say, some kind of like assessment beforehand, if especially if it's like a technical role. Especially if it's a technical role, an assessment will might likely be at some point of the interview process, whether it's before the phone screen or after the phone screen. So it'll happen at some point. From the phone screen onwards, a lot of times at that point, it's just it's assessing at the phone screen if I'd like to move you into the formal interview process, which at that point will involve several different stakeholders from hiring managers to peers or other unbiased or interviewers who are part of the interviewing process. At every stage, someone or a set of people are making a decision uh, about whether or not you're the right fit for the role. And so that's what elongates a lot of the interview process is just that level of decision making and how many stakeholders are involved in the process. And so that's where you could see potentially delays. A lot of times as well, the folks on the back end are trying to decide, let's say, between five different people for one open spot. So there is a lot of back and forth. That's where the tool like the applicant tracking system really helps keep everyone organized. We have the candidate profile that kind of moves through the different stages within the system and all of the interview feedback is left on that profile, but it is a lot of deliberations going back and forth. And again, that's different from company to company, but that is essentially like what's happening on the back end. And then the overarching thing along that is that sometimes even the business goals around recruiting themselves change. And this is likely something that a lot of candidates, especially in today's market, have seen. I've seen this a lot happen where in the middle of an interview process, a role somehow gets pulled. They decide not to hire into that position anymore. So sometimes they're waiting on that decision. So I've seen that happen a lot, especially in these environments of macroeconomic like uncertainty, especially in the tech industry, which that's primarily what I'm speaking to is the tech industry in 2022 and 2023. We saw a lot of that. And so that can cause those delays as well. I can testify to that too. There have been multiple recruiters that I work with that have complained sometimes in the middle of a role or even toward the end of the recruiting process. Now, all of a sudden that position is cut. And mm -hmm. so that is a good example of why if you're an applicant, it's really important, even if you think that you got the job in the bag, to not put all your eggs in one basket and always be prepared for other positions. Yeah. And that's the thing is that one of the things that I have learned in my recruitment career so far is that a lot of times a candidate is going through the interview process thinking that the company is like in the driver's seat, the company that they're applying to and interviewing with, and that the company has all the leverage. But, but, that's actually not really always the case, especially a couple of years ago when I started recruiting in, in my last recruiting role. It was a it was really a candidate driven market. And so 
companies were really looking to hire and grow and they were, it really was the candidate like in, in the driver's seat of having multiple competing offers and involved in several interview processes. And so that is something as a candidate, especially if, that, if it's that situation, you can leverage that. It's not always just about a company hiring you, but it's about you choosing where you want to build your career. Don't, you don't have to quote unquote, let's say compromise, or you don't have to compromise the things that you want out of your job just to like appease the company that you're interviewing for. And they, I think a thing that's said pretty commonly now, especially in an interview process is a company is interviewing you, but you are also interviewing that company just as much as they are interviewing you. So that's where it's really important for you to go in, ask the right questions to really gauge, is this going to be a good place to spend my time and grow my career? Is this, is this place going to give me what I want in my career? Be really cognizant of the things that you would like from your next company. And especially when you're in a situation where you have multiple options and you can really choose to be picky, really take advantage of that. Definitely great advice. So I want to ask you, Kieran, about your blog called Coffee with a Professional. Tell us more about how it got started, what the idea behind it is and where people can find it. Yeah, absolutely. The blog and the project really is a marriage of several of my interests. The starting of that is, if you remember from the beginning of our conversation, is that I started out as a journalism major in college um, because I really enjoying writing, enjoying reading. I always appreciated the power of the word to really influence, change things for the better. I read a lot when I was growing up and I learned a lot through reading. And then I started writing and just felt like it was always really comfortable for me to express my ideas in writing. But then, you know, of course, you know, pursuing journalism early in my career, um, in hindsight, I'm glad that I didn't go down that route because the route that I went down on provided me with more opportunities. So I'm glad that I took this path. But at the same time, that sort of piece of writing and the appreciation of the written word, it, it still stayed within me. And so at some point I was exploring, like, how do I practice this? How do I fulfill this in some way? That's where the other piece comes, where I've always been really passionate about helping people develop their own careers because work is a part of everyone's life. So if we can have tools and resources that make people's work life easier and better, make it easier for them to get jobs, make it easier for them to be in jobs. I was always really interested in that in general. And a lot of it was also based on my own frustration that came out of my career because I always just didn't know what I could do. But for me, I always felt like, you know, it'd be great if there was a resource that kind of gave me a bit of a foreshadow on careers. That was the basic idea of it. And then I was like, why don't I just start something like that then? So that's how Copy with the Professional came about, built off of this idea of the practice of informational interviews or like coffee chats. Mm -hmm. Typically, when you are building out your career, it's a common practice to, you know, talk to people and sort of, you know, chat over coffee about what they do and sort of help use that to help you decide what your options are and just learn, just learn as you go into your career. So I wanted something that was that, this sort of this coffee chat concept, but in written form so that you wouldn't always have to go to just a coffee chat or an informational interview. Just go to a website and read about different careers. And so, yeah, that's how Coffee with a Professional came about. I just try to find as many people as possible that I could interview and, and really get an understanding of their day-to-day -day job, like paint that picture so that someone going in and reading about it can really either picture themselves in it or even not picture themselves in it. But at the end of the day, they have a place where they can assess some viable options and see which way to go, which really serves, I think, a lot of different audiences. Of course, the young professional audience, folks in college and getting out of college are probably 
the biggest group of people who who need this kind of direction. But alongside that is I've always been really passionate about career transitioners, someone who is just looking to make a change and get into something that maybe speaks to them a little bit more, helping them explore what their options are. And even again, like a third audience is people who are currently in a position Let's say they're okay with where they're at. Maybe they're looking to make the next move up in their industry or in their sort of role type. Being able to hear advice, read the stories of people who went from, let's say, an individual contributor level to a manager level. What are the things that they did to actually get to that point? So that audience is really important as well. And it was really important for me to build something that, that could cater to that in a content-focused way. So that's where Coffee with a Professional came about. Awesome. And where can people find it? So I would say the best place right now is the Instagram with the handle of at Coffee with a Professional. Amazing. I want to thank you for sharing your story and shedding light into kind of how applicants can better understand what goes on behind the scenes of recruiting. Really appreciate you being here. I know it's a busy time for you, especially in technology. I want to wish you well and looking forward to connecting again very soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a huge pleasure to be here.